This is Truth With Grace, the media ministry of Grace Baptist Church. We're so pleased you've joined us today as we continue our exploration of the truth found in God's Word and the grace of salvation. Pastor Pierre Rosa is continuing his preaching to the Gospel of Matthew, and today we're starting chapter 15. Traditions can be wonderful things, giving us a sense of continuity and serving as consistent reminders of what's important. Tradition marks the passing of time by being timeless and connects one generation with the next as we each repeat the same celebrations, practices, or actions. But traditions cannot, they must not take precedence over Scripture. God's Word is the guiding rule for our faith and practice, and that's what we'll learn about today, including how we can show true devotion to God. My name is Brian Schmidt, and I'll have more information for you at the end of this program. But for now, let's listen to today's message from Pastor Pierre. Follow along with me. We're going to read verses 1 through 9 of chapter 15 of the Gospel of Matthew. Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever I have that would help you has been given to God, he is not to honor his father or his mother. And by this you invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites! Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Church, can you feel the tension here in the air when this delegation of Pharisees and the scribes came to challenge Christ because he was violating a man-made tradition? And he uses the opportunity to correct them and to teach all of us that genuine devotion to God demands unwavering commitment to his word. Write that down. Genuine commitment to God demands unwavering commitment to God's word. In other words, anything else is lip service. You cannot worship God genuinely and truthfully unless you love his word. Or if you ignore his word, you cannot say that you love God. You can't say, I love God, but I'm going to come up with my own regulation of worship. I'm going to worship God the way I want to. That's lip service, according to what Jesus just said here. Because he says, rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you. Isaiah was talking about his contemporaries. And Jesus is applying that passage to his contemporaries. In other words, this is universal principle. And the universal principle is this. Unless you have a genuine submission to the word of God, you cannot claim that you have genuine devotion to him. You cannot have a high view of God if you have a low view of his word. If you place human tradition above the word of God, then that's a problem. So let's see how that unfolds. I want to show you the deficiency of human tradition. Now, human tradition is not bad. We have some. The problem is if we elevate them above what God has said. Mark also records this scene here that we just read, which took place after Jesus claimed to be the bread of life in John 6, verses 22 through 40. And when the Jews of the time heard this statement from Jesus, this affirmation that he was the bread of life, they sought to kill him. That's in chapter 7 of John, verse 1. 
Now, the religious leaders, when they wanted to kill Jesus Christ, sent a delegation from Jerusalem to investigate his claims. That's what's going on here. And as soon as they encounter Christ here, the scribes and Pharisees took offense with the disciples' violation of a man-made tradition. See, they took issue here with something that has nothing to do with Scripture. I mean, it may resemble a couple of commandments from the Old Testament, but they did not accuse Christ's followers of dishonoring the Word of God. I want you to see that. What were they saying? How come you violate the tradition of the elders? They're not interested in what the Word of God says. They're interested primarily in the tradition of the elders. And according to them, for example, coming in contact with Gentiles would constitute defilement. And that is why they say, well, you are defiled because of what you touched. You are ceremonially unclean because of what you touched. And now, therefore, you need to wash your hand before you eat bread. This has nothing to do with hygiene. This was a ceremonial lot that they have convoluted in order to place people in bondage and place an unbearable burden on people and say, see, you are violating that. Therefore, you're not part of the team because we don't violate that law. Mark clarifies this in Mark 7 verses 3 through 4. Listen to what he wrote. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. In other words, this is all about the facade. This is all about behavior rather than being. In church, the Bible is very clear about what God expects of us. Be holy for I am holy, he says. Of course, the behavior follows. But if we focus on the outside like these guys are doing, we miss the point. We leave the heart untouched. And that's not the kind of devotion that God expects from you and from me. See, eating with dirty hands is not the problem. Having a defiled heart is the problem. Having an unregenerate heart is the real issue. Not unwashed hands. The Pharisees showed no interest in scrutinizing the situation from a biblical perspective. And that is typical of people who elevate tradition above the Word of God. It doesn't matter what the Word of God says. I'm more concerned with my tradition. Therefore, I am so offended that you violate my tradition. And as a result, the Pharisees and the scribes here and the people, a lot of people then and a lot of people today too, emphasize an unbiblical aspect of ceremonial cleanliness above heart purity. You see, more important than having your hands clean is to have your heart purified by God. They miss that point. And that's why we're looking at the deficiency of human tradition. They manipulated their followers. And they did this by corrupting a passage directed to the priests of Israel only. I want you to listen to that. It's in Leviticus 22, verses 5 through 6. If a man touches any teeming things by which he is made unclean, or any man by whom he is made unclean, whatever his uncleanness, a person who touches any such shall be unclean until evening, and shall not eat of the holy gifts unless he has bathed his body in water. So that's just an example of one of those ceremonial laws from the Old Testament that perhaps the Pharisees borrowed from and convoluted and changed in order to manipulate people and hold them hostage really to a system based on performance rather than heart transformation. And scripture abounds with warnings, church, about adding to or placing tradition above the Word of God. We cannot miss it because otherwise we are so tempted to follow a behavior type of religion rather than heart transformation. 
For example, perhaps the, the most well-known warning in Scripture about adding stuff to the Bible is in Revelation 22, verse 18, which reads, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And along the same lines, Paul alerts the Colossians. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Colossians 2 verse 8. See, God knows that we are so easily tempted to do that. That is why he sprinkles the New Testament with commandments like this and warnings like this. And remember, Paul wrote this to the Colossians, and he was the chief sinner and the chief Pharisee. He says this in Galatians 1 verse 14, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. See, there's a problem here. When you are more zealous for traditions rather than the Word of God, you have it flip-flopped. And we need to adjust that in order to offer genuine devotion to God, the one that He expects. Again, tradition is not bad, church. The Bible prescribes some traditions. For example, Paul instructs Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 13, Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. So we have that tradition in our faith We have the tradition of having a man of God opening the Word of God and teaching the people of God. That is a tradition that has been established by God, something we must observe. There are two other ordinances that Jesus told the church to observe. What are they, church? Baptism and the Lord's Supper, communion, right? And again, we came up with some other traditions that are not necessarily unbiblical. For example, American Christians drink coffee and eat snacks. We're known for our potlucks. When we gather for fellowship, because there is something special about sharing a meal together, and that's not bad. It's perfectly acceptable to treasure these customs of drinking coffee, drinking tea, doing potlucks, staying after church on Sunday for fellowship and all of that. Perfectly acceptable. If we judge or excommunicate people because they don't want to participate, or if we make them second-class citizens, then it's a problem. If we say, how come you missed the coffee time today? (sighs) There must be something wrong with you. No, that is a problem because we're elevating tradition above Scripture. And elevating made-up traditions above Scripture is a hallmark of every modern cult and false religion today. For example, some people will take offense and will anathematize you, will accurse you because you celebrate birthdays. They will anathematize you because you donate blood. We're in real trouble here because we have a blood drive here every month. They will accurse you. If you eat meat on Holy Week, I've experienced that. It's a tradition that finds no real basis in Scripture here. God is more interested in your heart. In fact, next week we're going to talk about the problems that comes out of your mouth. Because out of the heart proceeds all of these things. And all of these people who say, well, you can't celebrate birthdays, you can't donate blood, you can't do this, you can't do that. And they hold people in bondage because of all of these traditions while they themselves violate the Word of God. And that's the problem. Now, in the time of Jesus, the Pharisees initially passed down these non-biblical views, the traditions of the elders. These are non-biblical or extra-biblical laws. They passed those down orally until about the 3rd century. They codified these laws in a document called the Mishnah. Okay, One of these teachings warned that failing to wash hands by pouring water from a cup prior to eating bread invites divine wrath. If you don't wash your hands in a particular way, you're going to go to hell, basically. 
And that is where they were coming from when they were confronting the disciples of Jesus here, the, the Pharisees. This is a ridiculous rule. They kept people in bondage by claiming that salvation came from the observance of a ritual. And church, nothing can be further from the truth. Salvation doesn't come from observing a ritual. Nothing in the Bible even suggests salvation by works or observance of a liturgy. Quite the opposite. People are not made right with God by washing their hands, but by having their heart purified through Christ alone. By grace are you saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, Ephesians 2 verse 8. So church, we know that salvation does not come from an outward expression of religiosity. It comes from being born again from the heart, believing in Jesus Christ. And it's the gift of God. It's not of works. No one can be saved by doing anything. We're saved by grace for good works, not by good works. Therefore, we must guard against this type of hypocritical religion, lest we elevate regulation over relationship. That is a problem. When you elevate regulation above the relationship that God expects with you, because only God satisfies your soul. According to the psalmist, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. Psalm 42, verse 1. We are designed by God, to have that type of relationship and fellowship with Him that only He can fulfill. Food can't do it. Drugs can't do it. Your family can't do it. Only God can give you that type of intimate relationship that fulfills your soul. Anything other than that is a cheap imitation, including religiosity, outward religiosity. And a lot of people find comfort in that. Case in point, the Pharisees, they found comfort in the outward observance of religiosity. But Jesus' assessment of their life is he's calling them hypocrites. That is not saving faith. That is the type of religion that keeps people in bondage. And Jesus had something to say about that, which leads us to the second point. We looked at the deficiency of human tradition, verses 1 through 2, but for the remainder of this scene, verses 3 through 9, what we have is the sufficiency of divine truth. You see the contrast? The deficiency of human tradition, and now the sufficiency of divine truth. Instead of answering their challenge, Jesus confronted them with the real issue. And by the way, he never misdiagnoses problems. So whatever assessment Jesus gives is accurate and is true because he is the truth. And he therefore diagnoses the problem accurately here with the Pharisees. He says, instead of answering their question, he fires right back at them. And so why do you transgress the word of God? And that is a real issue. He refocused their attention in what really mattered according to God. The Pharisees, not the disciples, violated the word of God. They were in trouble, the Pharisees, not the disciples, because they were outside of the kingdom. That's the problem. Believers struggle with the same issue today, church. We are quick to point out the apparent shortcomings of others while failing to deal with our own sin. We were right back at that same issue that Jesus dealt with in the Sermon on the Mount. Before you look at the speck in your brother's eye, look at the log that is in your own eye, Jesus says, so he's elaborating on something he said in the Sermon on the Mount here, applying that to the Pharisees. Church, the Pharisees were blind, spiritually speaking, because they had a huge log in their eye called outward religion. And their heart was untouched. And they were promoting this type of false doctrine. And Jesus Christ says, you are so wrong by doing that. In this scene, the disciples didn't commit any sin. By not washing their hands, they're not violating anything from Scripture here. You may question their hygiene, but not their spirituality. 
Their accusers committed the real transgression here by elevating tradition over truth. And see, we just looked at the deficiency of human tradition and the sufficiency of divine truth. They needed to invert that in order to be made right with God. And in this particular case, Jesus provides the specifics. He quotes Exodus 20, verse 12, which reads this, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. And he also quotes Exodus 21, verse 17, He who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. So Jesus is quoting those two passages in a little bit of a paraphrase here to get into the specifics with them and say, wait a minute, you should be focusing on something more important than washing your hands. Instead of human tradition, let's focus on divine truth. And let me give you one example of the many that you are failing to observe according to this was the only one that the Pharisees violated. Listen to this. Jesus is telling them, God says this, but you say that. God says this, but you say to God, I have a better plan. Church, that is the pinnacle of arrogance, of human pride. Alarmingly, we do it all the time. And if the conjunction here, but, stands between the Word of God and your own philosophy, then you're in trouble. You don't want that. You want, and, you want, God says this, and you obey. God says this, and you follow. You don't want Jesus to assess your spiritual life the way he assessed the Pharisees here by saying, the word of God says this, but you do that. That is alarming. That is concerning. And those of us who have been Christians for some time now, seasoned believers are great at doing this. They explain away the Bible. They say, well, yeah, I know what the Bible says, uh, but I'm going to do the opposite. Well, that's arrogance. That's disobedience. That is fake devotion, just like the Pharisees were doing. We need to repent of that. Now, let's use Jesus' answer in verse 4 to take inventory of our lives. Okay, Let's put the biblical principle here to work. Again, verse 4 says, For God said, and then he gives the command, but you say, verse 5. So that is the alarming part. Let's use that to take inventory. I'm going to read four basic commands from God to you. And offer two options for responses. Option A means you're following in the footsteps of the Pharisees. Option B means you're on your way to spiritual maturity. You ready for this? How do you respond when God says in Luke 6 verse 35, love your enemies? How do you respond? A, but my enemies will mock me. I will hate them instead so I can keep them away. That's safe. That's option A. Or you respond, option B, God This is hard, but the Bible tells me I was once your enemy. Romans 6 verse 10. Therefore, I'm going to obey. So church, is it A or B? Ready for the second one? God says in Matthew 18 verse 22, Forgive your offender as often as necessary. Do you answer A? But God, what he or she did to me is unforgivable. I will pay evil with evil so I can satisfy my sinful sense of justice. Or you answer, B, God, I am so thankful you have forgiven me, a wretched sinner. Please equip me to reproduce this kindness in obedience to your command. Is it A or is it B? Number three, Hebrews 10, 25. The Bible is so clear. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as believers. In other words, don't skip church. Assemble yourselves as believers in Christ. A, But God, Sunday is my only day off, and church is so inconvenient and not entertaining enough. Or is it B? 
Jesus, you endured the inconvenience of the cross for me. I can't wait together with my fellow believers for corporate worship to celebrate that. Is it A or is it B? Number four. This one will hit home really close. Okay? So some of you will say there's spiritual ouch. Proverbs 20 verse 19. The Bible says, do not associate with a gossip. It's not just don't say it. Don't even hear it. The Bible says, stop the gossiper in mid-sentence and say, brother or sister, I do not need to hear that. This is what the Bible says. Proverbs 20 verse 19. Are you going to respond by A, but God, this is such a juicy rumor. I need all the details because people desperately need my infinite wisdom. Or B, God, guard my tongue and my heart. Please keep me from murdering my fellow human being with my words. So church, are you going to answer with A or B? We can do this all day long, but the point is you don't want Jesus to appraise your devotion to God the way he did with the Pharisees, church. Instead, you want him to say, God says this, and you followed. Well done, my good and faithful servant. But again, let's look at the specifics of verses 5 through 6. We, we can't just ignore the command here that Jesus repeats. In church, the command is what? Honor your father and mother. So Jesus even repeats that and says, if you don't do that, you're violating scripture. Which means that, friends, young people, we need to honor our parents. But the hypocrites thought that they had a better plan. They thought, well, I'm going to replace obedience with religiosity. That was their plan. They're going to say, well, I know that this is what the Word of God says. I'm supposed to honor father and mother financially, honor them with my words, regardless of whether or not I think they deserve my honor, regardless of whether or not they've done something terrible to me, I'm supposed to honor them. It's a commandment from God. It's between me and God that I'm going to honor my parents. But according to the pharisaical corruption of God's Word, people could replace obedience with religiosity according to them, particularly in the area of financially caring for aging parents. Mark fills in the details for us. According to him, Jesus confronted them with these words. Mark 7 verse 11. But you say, so remember, he says, God says this, but you say, if a man says to his father or his mother, whatever I have that would help you is Corban, that is to say, given to God. By the way, nothing to do with the university here. You no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother. In other words, according to their tradition, people could say the magic word. And that magic word was, Corbin, I already gave to the ministry, therefore I'm not going to give to my parents. According to the Pharisaical teaching, just say the magic word and, and verify that you have given an offering to the ministry in order to be released from your responsibility to honor your parents. That is fake devotion to God, according to Jesus Christ. And he evaluates this type of system with strong words, church. Again, he says, you hypocrites, you hypocrites, meaning an actor who used to wear a mask to hide their identity, to perform, to make everybody think they are someone they are not. And God, according to Jesus Christ, has no interest in their offering. Keep your money, is what Jesus is basically saying, if that's the kind of thing you're going to do. Look at verses 8 and 9 here when Jesus quotes this passage from Isaiah. By the way, he's quoting Isaiah 29, verse 13, if you want to write that down. What Jesus is doing here, church, I, want you, I don't want you to miss. He is demonstrating the sufficiency of Scripture, the sufficiency of the Bible. 
Again, because in this passage, God is speaking. In the original passage, Isaiah 29, verse 13, God is the one speaking. Isaiah is the one writing it down. And he's referring to the contemporaries of the prophet, the people of that time. And Jesus comes in here in the New Testament and says, well, that passage is also applying to you, to that particular generation. So what does that mean, church? It means that this is a universal principle. It means that if our hearts are away from God, then we're not demonstrating genuine devotion. And we worship Him in vain, according to what Jesus says in verse 9. So, the warning for us is clear. Let's not pay lip service to Him only if our hearts are harboring resentment and rebellion against Him. There's good news this morning. Because the Bible also abounds with encouragement for us to draw near to Him. Let's draw our hearts near to Him. In fact, Hebrews 2 verse 1 the author says, For this reason we must pay closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. The natural inclination of our flesh is to drift away into ungodliness. And that's why the Bible says, Let us pay closer attention to what we've heard so that we are anchored in Him. So we don't want to drift away. We must remain anchored in His Word. If we don't stay anchored in His Word, we will drift away into man-made philosophies that place people in, into religious bondage and destroy people's faith. And we will come up with all kinds of convoluted distortions of Scripture if our hearts are far away from God. So, you want to keep your heart close to God? Treasure His Word. Don't let your Bible collect dust. Treasure His Word. Read it. Apply it. Be transformed by it, by the renewing of your mind treasure His Word. If you have questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is radio at gbcsalem.org or you can visit our website truthwithgrace.org for more information about our church and this media ministry. Plus, we're always looking for people just like you to help us spread the gospel around the world. This broadcast is provided to you at no cost to the generosity of financial and prayer supporters of Truth With Grace. Please feel free to share it, but please don't charge money for it or edit it in any way without the written consent of Grace Baptist Church. Until next time, this is Truth with Grace.